If you're a small business owner or the family member or friend of a small business owner, this Queer Money episode is for you. If you're an LGBTQ small business owner and have interest in creating a form of generational wealth within the queer community to help the community thrive, you want to learn about business valuation and succession planning. In fact, you may want to listen to this episode more than once. Today, we talk with Tracy Shaw, Assistant Vice President, Head of Business Owner Market Development at Massachusetts Mutual Life Insurance Company, aka MassMutual, in Springfield, Massachusetts. This podcast is sponsored by MassMutual. Every way we look out for the ones we love is an act of mutuality. MassMutual can help with the financial ones. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. Welcome, Tracy Shaw, to Queer Money. We appreciate having you. Thank you. I'm excited to be with you today. Exactly. The last time we saw you, we were literally walking out the door of a hotel in Philadelphia, and, and you grabbed <laughs> David, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> I was wearing my Queer Money t-shirt, uh, big, bold Queer Money logo, and then uh, sponsored by Mass Mutual. So I think that that's probably, <laughs> probably caught your eye. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a chaotic conversation. That is indeed caught my eye. Yeah, yeah. it was a chaotic conference, and we tried to meet up several times, and fortunately, you had the courage to just run over and say, are you different, guys? <laughs> are you David? <laughs> yeah. So we're excited to have you. And Thank you. I said, when you have exciting news that you want to share, it, right. you know, you're compelled to track down anyone who can help you tell the story. <laughs> exactly, right. exactly. How did you like the NGLCC conference? Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had worked with the NGLCC several years ago, and it, what was fantastic was to see how it's evolved and really grown into itself to serve the business owners of the community. It was terrific, absolutely terrific. Nice. Yeah, this was our first go around, and we were, it was just amazing. It was great. Right. As many of you, you know, listeners, you know that we att- we attended the conference, but also have been fully engaged with the NGLCC because we see the value in supporting small businesses and LGBT small businesses because we continue to grow, but I think that there's lots, probably lots of opportunity for support out there. And for your listeners, let's be clear, NGLCC is the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. So it is a community of business owners working to further their business, grow their business, and typically seeking their designation as a diverse supplier. Right. Exactly. Thank, Thank you. you. And that's a great segue into why we have you on the show today. You had brought up a topic that we knew nothing about. And for small business owners, uh, including LGBT small business owners, this is an important topic. So we're excited to cover um, what might sound boring, but actually it's quite interesting and fascinating. <laughs> um, and it can actually provide a lot of value to business owners and their, their family and their employees. So we're going to be talking about business valuation today. So Tracy, can you give us um, an understanding of what is business valuation and why is it important? Yeah. So business valuation is critical for a business owner for a multitude of reasons, mostly because it gives you a sense of the health of the business that you're building and because so many things rely on it. When MassMutual does their business owner perspective study, and we just renewed that and released those findings again in early 2018, business owners are fairly consistent around the fact that The reason they started their business is because they had a great idea or a passion or a need to improve things, but also because they want to support their family. They want to build that business because they have a vision and they want to make sure they protect their future. And the way that you can take care of all four of those facets of your business life and your life is to understand what's driving value for your business. And we call that your business valuation. What's it worth? Nice. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And why does it seem that so many small business owners maybe aren't aware of this or maybe aren't even following through on this? I think it's more of a follow through than an awareness piece. So what we have found over and over again is that business owners start with a great vision of the value, right? What they believe they're building and they identify the steps in order to monitor it. And then they calculate how much money is needed to grow the business. And then perhaps they've even considered what happens next if they're not the one at the helm of the business and all of that. And we have this fantastic graph. If folks choose that they're so interested, they want to download the study after listening to the podcast, it's almost like joining a fitness club. They're all enthusiastic at the beginning, and then they begin to wane when they realize how much it takes to truly work on your business, not just in your business, and follow through to assure that you're not just driving value, but you're also kind of mitigating any risk or vulnerability along the way. Gotcha. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we're often as entrepreneurs passionate about the thing that we want to create or the product or service we want to provide. And and we're good at that, but very often we forget about the, the whole business management component of things. And um, I can see how this might fall off the, the list of to-dos for a lot of business owners. Or it's scary. It just feels like a big thing to do. And in reality, there are a lot of resources out there for business owners to get it done on a regular basis at minimized or sometimes no cost before you truly are investing in that larger coaching or valuation experience. So there are a lot of things that are available to a business owner. I, I think we can talk a little bit about that as we educate about the things that are included in that valuation and why folks behave the way we do you know, during our time here today. But know that if you have a question, there's usually someone with an answer. Yeah, right. So I understand now what business valuation is. Why would I want to get one? What is, when would I actually use it? Yeah, so you can use it for a lot of different reasons at, at several points throughout the business, right? So typically what we would coach a business owner, and by we, um, I'm thinking about all kinds of resources that a business owner would use simply by even Googling what's my business plan. And we would say, begin with the end in mind. So it's very exciting when you're starting your business and you are kind of birthing that whole vision and creativity. But at some point, it's likely that you will not be at the helm of the business. And what do you want the business to represent along the way? Sometimes when I'm doing a workshop with business owners, I'll say to them, think of your business like it's your 401k. If you were still an employee or an employee, you would look at your statements for your 401k on a regular basis, make sure you had the right investment allocations and that you were driving towards whatever your retirement goal is, I'd recommend the same for your business. On a regular basis, you want to check in and make sure you're driving towards your exit plan. And your exit plan could be a couple of different things. Your exit plan could be your succession plan. So there's going to be a day where you're not leading the business. Are you planning for the person who will be your successor? Your exit plan includes your retirement plan. There's a day that you might be too tired to work and you might have better things you want to do. Retirement <laughs> comes in all shapes and sizes today, right? Uh -huh. Are you building a business that will allow you to enjoy that retirement? And then there is estate planning. Are you um, understanding the value of your business so that you can equalize your estate and make sure that that next generation you're preparing your legacy for has the ability to enjoy the fruits of your labor and still be friends and family. And that's typically the most difficult one. Yet, again, in that business owner perspective study, business owners said that's their third concern. How do we make sure that happens? 
Well, the way you make sure that happens is you understand what it's all worth. Oh, gotcha. That's very interesting. It does sound like there's there's lots of of ways to look or opportunities that the valuation can be used for. And everything you just talked about, to me, gives someone a sense of calmness or security about their future if they have these things in place, if they understand who the business would be managed by if they were to exit. It gives them a sense of security thinking about what their retirement may look like because of the value that the business could pass into their retirement if they were to sell the business or how much it is contributing to their retirement. So it all seems to be a little bit around this idea of giving you safety and security as a business owner. Absolutely. And another thing that we didn't really touch on are a a facet of business management called buy-sell agreements. When we were at the NGLCC, this is the place where there were the most questions from the folks in our workshop. And buy-sell agreements are a safety net for the business and the business owner that basically says, if for one reason or another, and we sometimes say if voluntarily or involuntarily... (laughs) one of the owners is not part of the business. The reality is we will all leave our businesses at one point or another, whether we planned for it or not. (laughs) You can all decide whether that means vertical or horizontal, but we all leave the business eventually. And so have we done it in a way that was planful and created a safety net? And typically one way that happens is through buy-sell agreements. That means that you or I could sell each other our entity of the business or buy from each other or our heirs the entity of the business so that the business continues on uninterrupted and the legacy folks, either the owner who has departed or the family or heirs of those who have departed are taken care of. And so that's another key place where understanding the value of the business is essential because it tells you what's needed in order to fund those buy-sell agreements. So, you know, only about half of business owners actually have buy-sell agreements in place, um, yet only a third fund them with an insurance product. They think they're going to rely on the cash from the business. So think through that, like, would you want to, you know, use all the cash from the business to buy out the ex-spouse of your business partner? Maybe not, you know. Do you want to be in business with the spouse of your ex-business partner? Maybe not. So these are considerations and and circumstances that you want to plan for and then make sure that the number is always up to date. So what the business was worth five years ago might not be what it's worth today. And so do you have sufficient safety net and mechanisms built into those agreements? Okay. So now I've got a lot of questions. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. We got a lot of answers. (laughs) So if I'm clear then, a buy-sell agreement is something I would I or my and my business partners would set up in advance, and that would be triggered under certain circumstances and initiate Precise. buys and sells as the agreement has outlined. Yes. Okay. So for Mike and David's case, um, we could say that if I pass away, obviously he gets 100% of the business. Um, if we decided to inherit it to our nieces and nephews, we could also have parts of that in place in advance of my passing away. So for the buy-sell agreement, yeah. So let's kind of break it down. There's typically what we refer to as the five Ds. Um, There are five reasons that someone leaves a business. They die. That's the circumstance you just described, right? Or that would trigger a buy-sell agreement. So they die. They become disabled. So you become sick or injured and cannot participate in the business the way you did previously. 
you become divorced. So that changes your financial obligations or your family structure. Um, and so does an ex-spouse or a soon-to-be ex-spouse have any ownership or any um, claims to the business because it was built up during the marriage? You depart. One of you just says, hey, you know what? I just don't feel like doing this podcast anymore. Now what? <laughs> and then the last, right? Hard to imagine. Exactly. And then the last, is, the last is disqualification. So disqualification is very rarely something that anyone can help you with. If somebody does something illegal where they lose the credentials that build the business, mm. that's just a hit to the business. Right. But those other four circumstances could be triggered within a buy-sell agreement and understanding the value of that business so you know what you're triggering is important. Gotcha. Okay. I've never actually heard of that until this discussion and that sounds quite brilliant. The biggest challenge is many attorneys tell us that while half of the business owners tell us that they have a buy-sell agreement, a good number of those buy-sell agreements are unsigned. So business owners oh. go through all the trouble of hiring the right advisor or professional to help them sketch out, negotiate with their business partners, establish kind of the rules of their business and the framework, and then forget to execute on it. And so you really have to be working with a team of advisors and professionals who will make sure that you dot all your I's and cross all your T's. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just a shame to go through that whole process and not get that last step done. I think it's also a shame that so many probably don't think or maybe aren't aware of the potential value of their business. So, you know, maybe you are a sole proprietor, you own everything, you are your business, so to speak. But there's still options that you can sell that, potentially sell that brand, sell the business structure to someone else. And when you think about it, whether it's you wanting to retire or you wanting to pass the value of the business on to heirs or give that to charity, your business has some sort of value. And to just let it dissolve or let it go away could potentially mean tens, hundreds of thousands, or maybe even millions of dollars that you have spent your life working on to build up. You don't want to just let that dissolve and go away. You want to pass that on. Uh, I think we're probably going to touch on this maybe a little bit later, but that money has potentially can do so many good things, especially mm -hmm. in our community. Yeah, this is the hard part about um, doing this as a recording, right? Folks can't see me nodding my head as you're describing <laughs> all of that. We heard you shaking. Um, there you go. There you go. So, absolutely. Um, so what we know is, you know, one in four business owners have valued the business on their own. They've done sort of their own swag on what they feel the potential or the current value of that business is. And all of the studies tend to lean on about six in 10 will get that wrong over or under. So it's not just that a business owner thinks they're all that in a bag of chips and therefore they're worthy of millions of dollars, many undervalue. And therefore, if they're in an acquisition situation, you know, don't get what they deserve or all that they've worked for. And the other is, and I think you've touched on this brilliantly, is 80% of the value of a business is typically tied up in the intangible assets. Um, that's what um, we work with a company called Core Value in order, as it was developed a tool through MIT. So it's MIT grads have patented the algorithms that help derive the value of the business or the value gap, I should say, of the business. So I feel pretty confident with MIT. 
And um, what they realize is frequently folks will look at, let's call it, I refer to it as hindsight financials. They'll look at the balance sheet, they'll look at tax returns, and they will consider sort of the hindsight financial historically, how have we done without recognition of the intangible assets of the business? What's the human capital? What's that customer capital or that brand component that you you touched on? What are the structural and social capitals? How do they all play into the reputation, the efficiency, the effectiveness of the business? And how will that impact the future value to optimize what a business owner can gain? So when we work with a business owner, when a financial advisor is bringing a business owner through the process of understanding what's driving value as well as how to mitigate the risk of where they're vulnerable, what they like to consider is where you are today financially, but what are those tangibles that are helping you grow? Gotcha. And I think to your point about one in four business owners have tried to assess their own their value of their own business, according to the 2018 business owner perspective study that Mass Mutual did, it looks like business owners are off by as much as 59% the positive or the negative. So this is that reinforces why you would definitely want to get a professional to do this for you. Yes, absolutely. At least work with um, someone who understands all of the facets that can help you maximize what you're working for. That's the key. And typically, we would say, Look to a team of folks who can help you guide through that experience. An accountant might be one member of that team. A financial advisor will help you pull together all of the pieces that would be necessary, right? Because you're going to have an attorney help you draw up those buy-sell agreements. Or if you're in a merger or acquisition position, they might help you with that. A CPA is going to make sure that you manage and minimize any tax liability in that. But a financial advisor, again, is going to help you move through optimizing the value of the business um, and, and make sure that you're taking all the steps possible to meet your goals on your terms when you're ready to make those decisions. I appreciate that you say that. And just for those of you, you've heard us say many times, work with a financial advisor. If you're interested or need assistance, financial assistance, Mass Mutual can help. You've heard us say that over and over again. And it's not just so that you can grow your retirement account or increase your investments. Uh, as Tracy mentions here, they, your financial advisor should be looking out for multiple aspects of your financial life, especially if you are a business owner, because that's their, their purpose is to be a, not a, an investment advisor, but a financial advisor to your whole financial picture. That's why you may want to look at working with a financial advisor because they can then, as Tracy mentioned, pull together this team of individuals who can give you a better understanding of what your business is worth. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, go back to where we started, right? We started with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. A business owner, if we have that holistic view, has a sense of where they want to be with their family, with their business, for their future within the entirety of their vision. And that's what we want to address, not just a facet of a person, but the whole being. Right. That's the, the critical component in building financial security and making sure people achieve their dreams. Exactly. Yeah. You can't look at your finances in silos. <laughs> it just doesn't work that well. <laughs> so um, this all makes sense to me. I'm, I'm totally sold on the idea. And we, David and I obviously need to get a business valuation done soon. But how often should one be done? Yeah. So a business valuation should happen 
um, and a couple of different inflection points, right? When you believe there's been a change in value or ownership or a family situation, right? Because each one of those pieces could impact someone's ability to continue in the business, either in a bigger role or a smaller role, but no less than every three years. Um, So it's just about walking through what a business cycle is and making sure you're checking in to understand, um, are we moving from the startup phase of our business into the growth phase? Are we then moving from growth to mature? And are we getting ready to transfer to whomever that next successor is going to be? Those are typically, that's typically the life cycle of a business. Mm -hmm. And so if you monitor that every three years, you're prepared for each stage as you move through. Okay. And then would I also want to update my buy-sell agreements in tandem with updating the business valuation? Okay. Precisely. And the other is you want to check in on, just like you would do an annual review for yourself with your medical doctor, you want to do at least a cursory review to make sure that all your documentation is in place and not just your buy-sell agreements, which are essential, but your succession plan and your retirement plan You know, are you moving towards your intended results as you go through? And what is the plan? And is everybody aware, right? Do the folks around you know what to do next when something changes? Yeah, I think that's great. You already mentioned it. I think it's a great time to start talking about it. According to Mass Mutual study, only 57% of small business owners have a documented succession plan. What is a succession plan and why should I have one? Yeah, so succession plans are essential to the continuation and legacy of a business, right? They, what they say is, what happens next? Who is going to lead this organization in this business in the event that the current leader is not in his or her seat? That's essentially what the succession plan says. And they should address everything from that sort of short-term recovery um, kind of experience. You know, there's you know, business owners out for three months for a medical circumstance versus that longer term, the business owner is retiring and ready to hand it over to either the next owner or the next generation. So they should have that. So it's very clear on what happens next, but it also allows the person taking over to prepare. So some of the things that came out of the 2018 study that I thought were pretty fascinating were the fact that While 57% have a documented succession plan, one in four of the successors didn't even know that they were the chosen one. (laughs) I saw that. Could you imagine if all of a sudden your father or mother passes away and all of a sudden like the business is yours and you didn't know it? Whoa. So uh, so I'll add a story, right? So we'll add some color to this. I have a friend and I was asking, you know, what her spouse does for a living and essentially runs a logistics firm. And I said, so how does one get caught up in logistics as their career, just out of curiosity? (laughs) And essentially graduated from college, comes to live at home, is home about 10 days, and is dressed to go out on a job interview. And dad comes downstairs still in his pajamas. And dad has never missed a day of work in his whole life. So got to ask dad, what are you doing home today? You're out of college now. The business is yours. I'm retired. <laughs> Literally, that's how they found wow. out that they now run a logistics firm. Oh, wow. Now, we're, it's all worked out. This is 25 years later, but that's not exactly the best way to have a succession plan. Right. So we highly recommend <laughs> that imagine. it's documented, but beyond documented, that it's communicated 
and that the preparation for that successor is clear. So we've met businesses where they're like, you know what, my niece is taking over the business. And in doing so, my requirement is after college, she go out and work for somebody else for three years so that her experience is beyond the family business. And then she comes back with new, fresh ideas to help make sure that we go on to a third generation or a fourth generation. So your succession plan should consider not just who's taking over, but how to make sure they're ready. Or even more important, I think when we talk about LGBTQ business owners, is one of the driving forces behind the value of the business, the fact that they've been certified by the NGLCC as a diverse supplier. Because if that's a consideration, you need to make sure that you can preserve that from generation to generation. And what does that mean and how does that happen? So whenever we have a minority entity business owner and they've gone through the rigors of that certification, that becomes part of the value driver. So is that important? Is that a big enough influence in the value drivers that it needs to be part of the succession plan or not? In some industries, maybe not. In others, it may be the linchpin to what's creating the success, and they have to think that through. Exactly. And that's a great point. As I was reading through the data that you had sent over, that was one of my questions is, can a proper valuation and succession plan create generational wealth sort of within the queer community? Yeah, so I I would say that a proper valuation and succession plan can absolutely create generational wealth. The considerations are things like understanding what's driving value for that business, keeping them in proportion so you're optimizing the value of the business. But more important, it's about business owners remembering that when it comes to dividing up the ownership of a family business, that fair doesn't always mean equal, Mm -hmm. and that when you're passing it on to the next generation to understand who will be working in the business and who will benefit from the business. And what's the strategy, again, to communicate that and make sure that you understand the value of the business so that the estate can be equalized amongst all of those who are going to be party to the next generation, because you want them to be friends and family after you're gone. Exactly. Right. And, you know, siblings working for siblings instead of with siblings can sometimes be a tricky (laughs) circumstance. I don't know how your siblings are. Um, Right. So it's important to make sure that, again, I'm going to digress here. I heard a great quote from Alex Howard. He is a tremendous um, influencer and professional in this space. And he says one of the key questions any business owner needs, any family business owner needs to ask is are we a family-first business or are we a business-first family? Mm. Oh, very good. Interesting. Right? Because once you answer that question, then you know what kind of succession plan, what kind of exit plan, and what kind of communication you need. Exactly. Right. And And I guess, you know, it's interesting that we talk about the succession plan. It's almost like a succession plan is your business's living will. It, it, it is the intent of what you as the owner or owners of the business want to have happen when you're gone, whether that's literally or, or, or just no longer running the business. And we've seen so many times that the wills can cause problems when they're not clear, can cause problems with family members or extended family, whether that's biological or logical. So that you want to remove that uh, potential for those kind of conflicts, not only for your family, but anyone else who may end up taking over the business. 
precisely. You, you that was beautifully said. And oh, and, and frequently, a business owner thinks they've hit the nail on the head, or they have an estate plan because they have a will. But there are it's more complex when there's a business entity to consider as well. Right. And I think to your point, it's, it's important to reiterate that if part of your business value is based on being a diversified supplier certified by the NGLCC, um, if you pass away and you're 50% of what helps you qualify for that LGBT status, if you're going to change that structure, you should be aware of that. Right. Correct. And it, yep. it may give, it may give that may give a good explanation to someone who may think that they are entitled to or are automatically assuming that they're going to be an heir of the business. And it may make sense then to explain to them, well, sorry, you can't be because the business derives a significant portion of its income because of that status. So mm-hmm. I, I see why you think it's so important. Right. You just have to understand that designations influence on the value of the business, and that helps you set your pace and decisions for your succession plan. Right. Right. So a lot of this seems to be weighing a little bit more towards the uh, retirement years of my life or maybe the end of my life, but this is also valuable for somebody who's looking to, to grow their business, right? You would use a business valuation to help get business lending? Absolutely. So Anytime you look to borrow money from a bank, they want to make sure that you have some sort of collateral or something to secure it so that they know that what they're giving you has some, you know, in kind. So business lending, particularly SBA 7A loans, which is anything over $350,000, requires a life insurance um, as collateral. So one is you need to make sure that the value of the business is going to be on par with the amount that you're borrowing. Um, And then the other is that you have the right assets to secure that lending um, or collateral without imposing on the business. So in that SBA loan, using the life insurance to collateralize it instead of the business. It's interesting. You've, you've said that. I think this is the second time now you've mentioned this idea of life insurance. And I think many of our listeners know Mass Mutual provides financial advice as well as a host of insurance products. I think that at the beginning of the show, I was a little unclear why it is advantageous or beneficial for mass mutual to help their clients understand the value of their business. But I see kind of this full circle is that you offer a variety of products that can be a part of this whole plan that you you may need to get life insurance so that you can grow your business. It's not that mass mutual just wants you to get life insurance. They want you to be a successful business owner. And I think that's why you're you're helping us understand this process better. So thank you. Exactly. No, um, exactly. So for example, when we talk about that buy-sell agreement, remember we said there were, you know, five D's as to why a business owner is no longer in their seat. You know, the first is death. If there's the untimely death of a, of a business partner, use the life insurance proceeds to buy out the heirs of the deceased so that the business can continue without interruption and without, you know, emptying the coffers of all its cash because we want the surviving partner to be able to thrive with the business and continue with their livelihood. The other would be, again, disability. If there's an injury or illness that prevents one partner from contributing their value to the business or what what they do to grow and maintain the business, how do we make sure that their income is replaced without taxing the business? So again, that's another place. And typically, insurance 
premium is, is far less of financial obligation than, than pulling all the cash out of the business or having to borrow and take on debt in order to buy out the heirs or that disabled partner. That makes sense. Yeah, and I think it's also important to remember you're you're responsible as a business owner to your business partners, but if you have employees, your untimely departures are already going to be messing with them enough. Right. You don't need to put them at, you know in a precarious position that they might lose their job. Yeah, so one one thing that I, and this is just a fun fact that if you're at a cocktail party with me, I'm going to throw it out there. So I'm sorry you'll have <laughs> okay. to hear it again. No, seriously. Right? So no, I'm totally a geek. Um, totally admit it. But um, I love the fact that when we look at the census statistics, most recent one is 2010, albeit, you know, when we're coming up, it's 2018 today. But the U.S. small businesses um, as an economy is the fifth largest economy in the world. I just think that's awesome, Isn't that right? Fascinating? Yeah, if you think of the top five economies in the world, the U.S. holds two spots: the U.S. <laughs> and our small to mid-sized business economy. But the other side of that is about half of all Americans work for a firm with less than a hundred employees. So, to your point, we do have an obligation as business owners to consider our um, influence on our community. A lot of business owners are in it. For their local community, that's where their business was born. That's where their ideation occurred. Um, and they are a big piece of their local town, community, hamlet, whatever they are. <laughs> um, and and their ability to make sure that the legacy continues is important. Yeah. And to your point, um, according to the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce's 2016 America's LGBT Economy study, they found that LGBT-owned businesses contribute $1.7 trillion to the U.S. economy. That is gigantic. And if something should happen to the business owners of those businesses, we want to make sure those continue so that the economy can continue to thrive and that the people that they're supporting and employing can continue to thrive. Yep, exactly. Now you see why it's so much fun for me to get up and come to work every day. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so apparently MassMutual is doing a good job of getting the message out there because between your 2015 study and your 2018 study, business valuation increased in importance um, up to number two, as a top of mind for most business owners. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. So so I think there's a couple of things that come out of it. So in 2018, you know, every, every three years, we say to business owners, what's on your mind? So this is the third time we've released the study. And it's the third time business owners said, what's top of mind is they're attracting and retaining key talent. So we want to take care of our employees, to your point earlier. And what was a little surprising is that understanding the value of the business rose to number two. And with as many as 70% of those business owners saying it was top of mind for them, wow. uh, either frequently or often, right? So we have to sit back and say, why is that? Is it because we're attending conferences and we're saying to people, you really have to understand the value of your business? Is it because they are following us on social media and understanding our hashtag BizTip Thursday campaign and getting reminded every Thursday on one more way that they can improve the management of their business or make their business lives easier? Or hypothetically, could it be that it's 2018 and in 2008, we experienced an economic downturn that created some emergency entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and 10 years later, they're hitting that retirement horizon line and recognizing that they really need to understand the value of their business and they need to do whatever it is um, to maximize that by understanding what drives the value to make sure that there are no holes in their plan 
so that they can do their exit planning on their terms, right? Most business owners and entrepreneurs, and I'm going to ask you guys to weigh in a little bit on this, right, are independent spirits who said, you know what, we're going to, you know, we're going to carve our own path. We have a better idea than what we see in corporate America, and we're going to use our creativity and our ingenuity and our innovativeness, and we're going to create something bigger and better, right? So they had this vision, and now they're saying, and I might want to retire. How do I make sure I'm getting all that I need to get out of it? And so I think business valuation is becoming more and more important. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think that there's probably this big trigger from the Great Recession when so many people, (laughs) unfortunately or fortunately, depends on how you want to look at it, were forced to say, I'm going to make it on my own. I have to make it on my own. But I think that there's also this, you know, we have this wave of uh, baby boomers who are probably in a similar situation. They're getting ready to retire or they're seeing all their friends retire and they're small business Mm -hmm. owners and they're I want to I want to do that too or maybe they've been in the business for 15 20 years and they're like okay I've had enough it's time to it's time to take all of this that I've built and and enjoy my some free time now so I think that there are a lot of different factors that are out there one interesting statistic that we recently came across by a study done by Hornet that said that up to 8% of baby boomers identify as not being 100% straight. So there's a growing number of individuals in the baby boomer and Gen X population who are feeling comfortable coming out. They may want to have a succession plan so that their business does add value back into the LGBT community. Mm -hmm. True. True enough. And and as you're looking at that and that retirement, you talk about that baby boomer and retirement preparation there. Um, in that 2018 business owner perspective study, when we were asking the business owners more about who they were and how they were prioritizing things, the other thing they told us is that three out of four have less than $500,000 in their retirement accounts. Now, we might say $500,000 and that feels like a big number, but if you need that to last over 30 years, it might not be enough, right. you know, even without, right? Just divide the 500000 over the course of 30 years. So you need to understand that value of your business because that will be the rest of the retirement proceeds that you're living on. And if you're making life changes that might shift the way you work within your community or the community that you're living with, that will also impact your choices in retirement and how you pull that all together. Absolutely. I think this kind of goes back to the point I was making earlier that that so many of us put are all into our business, but then we just may let it dissolve and go away instead of figuring out what it's worth and figuring out, can we sell this to someone or is there, is the brand valuable to someone want? And as small business owners, so many of us put our money that we earn right back into the business rather than maybe putting it into a retirement plan or putting it into a a savings plan for for investing for the future if you're investing in your business then your business is worth something when you are ready to depart from that business make sure you're getting what it's worth <laughs> yeah absolutely it, precisely right so so one of the things is is, you know, who should be doing that valuation, what should be considered in that valuation, and how do you optimize it, right? So, and I think that a typical business owner, we talked about it earlier, could misjudge the value of their company by as much as, you know, 59%. 
and what do they need to understand so that they can ask the right questions when they're working with the professional who's helping them value that business, right? Some will look at it as a strict asset base. I have big equipment and the equipment is worth X dollars. Well, is that really all that your business is worth, right? The big equipment? Or what are my market comparables? So other businesses like me are worth X. Or that whole, you know, hindsight financial component that you and I talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. when in reality, there are intangibles to consider, you know, your customer base, do you have a patent, do you have a brand, but also, what does this mean for the future value and what do you as the business owner need? What's the income replacement value for you? How much are you living on today versus how much you need in retirement? So for someone who's an employee, typically they use their paycheck as the, as the gauge for that. Mm-hmm. But someone who's a business owner might not even realize all of the things that the business is supporting in their lives. And that's where a financial advisor can help you articulate and discover what your business is truly supporting other than just its employees and its bottom line. All right. So so we all are convinced now that we need to do this. So, <laughs> right. <Awesome. laughs> so what is Mass Mutual doing right now to help business owners with this valuation and succession plan? Yep. So every business owner um, has a different different need, different level of need and a different reason why they're taking, you know, a peek at really trying to understand the value of their business and what they do. So we have available to Um, business owners, and people in general, right? We talked about that holistic view, very sophisticated financial advisors who can do full-on planning for you that really understand everything from A to Z and can help you build towards your financial security and achieve your dreams. Additionally, or way back at the beginning of that, we have tools and services available that are at no cost that would give a business owner some sense of benchmark so that they can educate themselves and become more adept at understanding what kind of questions they have to ask and with whom they need to work. So for example, Core Value is a business valuation tool that we can make available um, to business owners and it helps them identify a benchmark value of their business and an optimized value of their business so that they can see where the gap is and recognize where they have red flags so that they could start moving towards that optimized value. So you can use services like that that are no cost that just give you a good sense of information and benchmarking. And then from there, choose to get the guidance of a financial advisor just for some quick information or again, to move into full planning. Typically, when you're looking at business valuation, you're likely going to engage your accountant at some point as well. We also have a relationship with SCORE.org, which is the largest organization of volunteer mentors for business owners across the country, and they offer guidance with um, business planning and business growth strategies as well. So there are a lot of resources that your Mass Mutual Financial Advisor can connect you with. And I think one of the best parts about that, I mean, there's a lot of great parts about it, but one of the best parts is that SCORE program that you talked about. And when we originally talked about SCORE, you kind of gave the backstory. This started from a a business owner was asking questions about how to transfer his business or something like that. Yeah. So I would would look to SCORE.org for um, a full explanation, but essentially the Small Business Administration was looking for strategies to make sure that SBA borrowers 
had a strong business plan in place. So they became SBA success stories and began working with retired executives to coach those business owners through the experience of building their business plan and making sure that they set milestones and strategies that um, created success. And so they are available as a resource throughout the country, and Mass Mutual is very proud to offer services to SCORE mentors so that they also can guide business owners through understanding the value of their business. Yeah, I just think that's that's wonderful. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. We appreciate you making that available. So if someone wants that, they're going to reach out to a Mass Mutual financial advisor or go to massmutual.com to, to find that information. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that we should cover to wrap up this conversation and make sure everybody's prepared? I think the key is that there's just sort of some golden rules in exit planning or succession planning, and we can just articulate them. It's a list of five um, for the folks who are listening, right? So you need to understand all the options for exiting your business and to have a strong professional who can help you outline them so that you can align your business and your philosophy and your vision with the one that's going to work for you. The second would be to know the true value of your business. So in order to make informed decisions about when to exit your business, how to exit your business, and assure that it's all on your terms, you have to understand the true value of your business. You want to select and prepare your right successor, right? We've spent a lot of time talking about, you know, who should be your successor, but make sure they're the right successor, a fit for the business and a fit for them so that that legacy you're hoping to build is actually getting built. Put it in writing and then communicate it, right? So if I tell you, are you going to remember next week? And if I tell both of you, are John and Dave going to remember the same direction or the same story (laughs) or instruction, right? So that'll become an important part of it as well. Make sure you put it in writing and that it's well communicated. That goes back to that Alex Howard quote of, are you a business first family or a family first business? Make sure everyone's on the same page. And then finally, Review the plan at least every three years. And the key phrase in that is at least, because if something in between those three-year intervals, like a change in family, a change in health, quick expansion due to acquisition or merger happens, it's time to re-engage with your financial advisor or your team of advisors to make sure that you're still managing to that vision that you had um, around the exit plan. Yeah, I just think that that's great. Thank you so much. You know, David and I are big advocates of trying to get more LGBT people to become entrepreneurs, start their own business, help grow the community. And this is a great resource for those who uh, want to be able to help continue to grow their business and help the community even beyond their lives. Absolutely. I also think for those of you who are listening who are not business owners, do you want to someday maybe buy a business from someone? Are you interested in supporting other LGBT businesses? Maybe a family member, a spouse of yours has a business or they are a a, a small business owner. You may need to share this information with them to better protect yourself. So it's not, this information isn't just for those of us who own our own businesses. There's a whole group of individuals who this information touches, even though they're not the business owner or work for the business. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Tracy Shaw, for joining us. We appreciate it. Did you have a last thought? No, I just wanted to say thank you to the debt-free guys. I really <laughs> appreciate the opportunity to share this information because we know it's 
you know, critical to making sure everyone achieves their greatest success. Absolutely. We appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Tracy, thank you and Mass Mutual so much for coming and sharing this important information on our show. So often as small business owners, we get wrapped up with working in the business that we neglect working on our business, as Tracy suggested. Hopefully you see now why having a regular business valuation done in tandem with updating buy-sell agreements and documented succession plans is so important. For more information about all of these topics, please visit www.massmutual.com forward slash C as in Charlie, M as in Mary, forward slash business hyphen owners, or talk with the financial planner. It's important to note that this information isn't intended as specific tax or legal advice. Mass Mutual, its employees, and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are encouraged to seek advice from their own tax and legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal and tax counsel. Thank you. A Mass Mutual financial advisor can work with a team of professional advisors to help guide you in determining the best way to undertake the business valuation process. Business valuations are conducted by credentialed valuation experts. Mass Mutual and its representatives do not perform business valuations. This information is for your information only. It isn't specific tax or legal advice, which Massachusetts Mutual Life Insurance Company isn't authorized to give. We encourage people to seek advice from their own tax or legal professionals, and those involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel.